You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits. Welcome to episode number five of the Upland Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Will Larson, and as always, this is presented by Upland Brits. Well, today we sit down with my good buddy, Matthew Davis of Final Rise Gear. Now, we get into a beautiful tom that he shot in California. I know turkey hunting is still open in a lot of places around the country. Hopefully, you guys are getting out there and chasing some turkey. We also talk about some big game pursuits that Matt is after, as well as upland bird hunting. We get into his two GSPs, or German short hair pointers, as well as his love, or I guess you could say addiction, to chasing chucker. I want to thank Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food. With Yukonuba, peak performance is what happens when a dog's natural athletic ability is shaped by training and unleashed by nutritional science. Check them out and learn a whole lot more at yukonubasportingdog.com. And you all know what time it is. Time for a listener question. Justin S. Carr on Instagram writes in, I'm really trying to figure out the major differences between the two Brittany breeds. Well, as you maybe all know, um, I have one of each. I have a an AB or an American Brittany or an EB, my Epignol Breton, who's the younger one. Um, and yes, I will say Epignol Breton. Um, I think it's cool to say it's it's the original name of the breed, and so I, I enjoy saying it. But I will shorten it to EB sometimes throughout. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm still figuring it out. I'm still figuring out um, major differences. Um, I hear different things about ranges and all that. Um, to get back to the basics um, first, they're, they're very similar in a lot of temperament ways. Um, great in the house, great with my kids, um, on off switch, all that, all that good stuff. But I'll also say, I think a lot of that can be breeding as well um, between the parents and the grandparents and, and that line of dogs you're looking in. So a lot of people I hear say, oh, the, the EBs work a lot closer and the ABs work a lot further. Well, sure, I think that is true and maybe a good general statement, um, but I think it also is going to um, depend on the breeding. Um, I know when I was talking to the breeder um, picking out Gunner, I, I, second dog, I just I knew a lot more questions to ask. I knew more what I was looking for, and so range was one of them. Um, I liked Gage's range. Um, Gage is about, gosh, 50 to 200 yards. He has a really big range, um, just kind of depending where I'll let him go. Um, so Gunner, I, I wanted that further range. I'm, I'm really wanting to hunt more prairie grouse and, and big country areas. And so I wanted a dog with a little bit bigger range, um, not a five, 600 yard dog. So when I was talking to the breeder, um, we talked about that and, and he was able to kind of walk me through and he had pairings of, of dogs that, and said, hey, these dogs, if you go this route are going to be that 
maybe three, four, 500 yard dogs if you want, or this pairing is going to be the, the one, two, 300 yard dogs if you want. Um, so they were able to kind of steer me in range because I think that really depends on the line of dog, but also training. Um, training is going to be a huge factor in, in range. So don't get hung up on, um, if you hear someone say, oh, the, the EBs are so much closer working, the ABs are, are not. Um, yes and no. It's just really going to depend on the breeding, but also the training. Um, Look-wise differences, I mean, you can see pretty clearly um, the ABs are, are lankier, longer, taller dogs. Um, the EBs are, are shorter, stockier, a little bit blockier dogs, um, especially in the face and the, a little bit deeper chest. Um, they're going to be shorter as well. Um, the EBs also excuse me, the EBs also have a, a black nose compared to the ABs, which have that kind of pinkish uh, nose. So that's a pretty cool um, and easy way to differentiate um, the two dogs as well. Um, Gunner, I'll, I'll say, so Gunner's my EB, great in the house. I would say he's a little bit cool, a little bit calmer than Gage was at his age, I, I would guess I would say. Um, in the house, I mean, he's he can really, really turn it off. Um, and again, I'm just comparing, I'm trying to remember how Gage was at that age. Um, so, I mean, that that might be a difference, but that could vary in dog as well. Um, so, um, oh, last thing I was gonna mention, um, I didn't really hunt Gunner, I didn't hunt him really at all. Um, I got him in September of last year, so he was a young pup. Um, I just let him be a pup, have fun, um, low pressure, low expectations. Um, going into this season, I'm so excited um, to really see what he can put together, see his temperament and style and range and quartering and, and a lot of those things. Um, so I think I'll have a lot better understanding. So if you ask me this question next year, like a year from now, um, I would have a lot better idea. I'll have more time with Gunner, get to see him through his first season and, and just see what he can do. Um, hey, buddy, I got Gage climbing up on my lap right now. Um, yeah, I feel like I was going to say one more thing, but um, no, great question, Justin. Um, if anyone has a question or likes uh, me to just address something on the podcast, um, write in a list your question, um, make it fun, long, short, whatever it might be. Um, would love to, to get it on here, give you a little shout out. And uh, yeah, just, just helps break up the episode a little bit. The last thing I was going to say, please leave a rate and review, um, a written review on Apple Podcasts. Um, I can't just emphasize enough um, the importance and the, the crazy algorithms um, that Apple Podcasts especially has. Um, the more written reviews, the more five-star ratings, it's going to push this podcast up higher in, in the ratings and rankings, I guess. Um, so when someone is looking for a podcast and they type in, Upland podcast or bird dogs or or whatever it might be, um, this podcast is going to be higher up on that list, more visible um, to hunters and bird dog lovers just like yourself. So do me a favor, leave a, a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And without any further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode with my buddy Matt Davis of Final Rise. Yeah, you had a house fall through, didn't you, a while back? two houses fall through two. but it ended up being a giant blessing in disguise man so the i'm actually in the house that i grew up in oh no way i bought the house that i grew up no in. way 
<laughs> that is wild. Which is really did, weird. It's did you cool. know? Did you know who lived there before, or how did so that work my, out? So my my dad and my grandpa, back in the early nineties, both built houses next to each other. They bought ten acre ten acre parcels, dead end road, built built houses right next to each other. So my grandparents have since passed. My dad remodeled my grandparents' house and moved into there. And I just bought this house from my dad. Oh my gosh, dude, that is crazy. It's well, and it was, it was one of those things, man, where, uh, I, I just didn't think it was going to happen. Un- unfortunately, where I grew up has grown a lot. It used okay. to be just this little podunk, tiny little farm town. Sure. And it, it's definitely boomed. And so the, the cost of living here oh. is substantially it's 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 increased quite a bit and oh so i'm sure my, my dad was kind enough to it's like well let's let's figure something out yeah so, oh dude that's so awesome what a blessing oh, so huge. so put us put us on a, a map real quick where are you uh where are you at so i am in heber city utah which is about an hour south of salt lake and about 20 minutes south of Park City, if people okay. know where either of those places are, I would that those are usually the two. That okay, are, I know, I know Park City. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I live just south of there. Okay. okay. First town you would run into if you kept driving south from Park City. Gotcha. Okay. Being in Utah, so I'm a I'm a big mountain biker. Are you in the yep. mountain biking at all, or? You know, I'm not. I'm a very accident prone individual, so <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I know for a fact my. Mike, I'd have multiple broken collarbones. Okay. I'd, I'd be disformed. And I got, I already have too many hobbies as it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got You got to stay in one piece. I try to. I get it, man. Um, so just tell us a quick overview. Like, who are you? Just give us a quick snapshot. Who is Matt Davis? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm Matt Davis. Uh, born and raised here in the house I'm living in, <laughs> in uh, Utah, central Utah area. Um, Grew up hunting, fishing, doing everything outdoors. Uh, I'm, I'm truly blessed to live where I do because it doesn't matter which direction I leave the valley. There's, you know, blue ribbon fisheries. Any way I go, I can be hunting grouse five minutes from my house. I can be hunting elk 10, 15 minutes from my house. I mean, I can go hop in a tree stand, hunt for a couple hours, run home and come to work. So it's like I if being or having, I guess, the hobbies that I do. I'm so, so lucky to live where I live. And uh, um, my, I guess my, more of my professional background has been uh, straight, straight up in the, in the outdoor hunting space. Um, I'm only 30 years old, so I'm, a, I'm a, not young, but I'm not old, I guess. I guess <laughs> I am, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, worked for a company called Hoyt Archery for about six oh, yeah. years. I used to have uh, one of their bow. Yep, <laughs> yep, bows, yeah. yep, yep. And uh, was there for about six years, and I'm actually with currently with a company called Mountain Ops, which is also based out of here in Utah, and currently employed with those guys as well. That's my that's my nine to five, but it's a, it's a phenomenal job, and uh, yeah. And then I've got Final Rise going on, and that's something we're about a year and a half into that, as far as officially being a business, um, actually selling the vests and doing all that fun stuff. So that's me in a nutshell. Dude, that's awesome. We're, uh, we're definitely going to talk final rise, uh, here in a little bit. Um, but I gotta say, I am super jealous of where you live. <laughs> you are, you are I'm so lucky. lucky. 15, so 20 minutes, lucky. go, go hunt, uh, elk, grouse, whatever you need to. That's, that's pretty awesome. It's, I mean, 
right out my fields here. I don't, I don't know if you're a waterfowler. I'm, I, I love a little bit, a little bit. I, I love, I love waterfowling, but I love hunting geese. Okay. And, uh, this past year, I think I shot four or five limits just in the field right behind oh. my house. I mean, I'm looking at it right here. There, there's a lot of residential geese and then sure. they have a, a, an urban, what they call it an urban season that basically tapers off after the general season ends just because a lot of the geese concentrate in, oh, that's concentrate awesome. in certain areas. And so, I uh, get a bang on them a little bit. That's my, really cool. My backyard. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Oh, so lucky. Um, right. Yeah, I, I'll waterfowl a couple times a year um, with some buddies of mine. And uh, this year we just went out to Nebraska and chased snow geese for the first time. And oh, uh, that was, oh my gosh, that was an experience. We, we weren't super successful. The first day it was, it was decent. But uh, every day after that, the weather got crazy. A lot of the birds moved up to North Dakota at that point. Yep. Um, so it was, it was still a blast, but man, it was, it left me wanting more, but also it left me wanting to come home. (laughs) (laughs) When waterfowling sucks, it sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And when it's good, it's awesome. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. So I gotta ask you this question. Um, Mm -hmm. I was scrolling through Instagram. It's probably a month back and my heart about stopped when I saw you had your Frankie instinct tore apart. And it looks like you took a belt sander or something to this Frankie. <laughs> what happened and, and what did you do? Um, so I, I, you know, I have one of the very first over under shotguns that I bought uh, quite a few years ago. The first year that Frankie came out with their instinct, I bought one in a 20 gauge. And that gun just fits me extremely well. Now I'm in Browning country. Utah's is definitely mm-hmm. buckmark country. Got a lot of good friends that work there. Um, great company. And that is by far my preferred gun. I own a lot of them. Sure. Um, but those Frankies fit me really good. Anyways, when I was getting into uh, sub gauges, tinkering around with 16s and 28s, um, and I, I'll say I was doing this before. It was a cool thing to do. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure guys are like, what the hell? Yeah. Anyway, so I, I was kind of getting into that. And so I thought, well, hey, this 20 gauge fits me really well. I know I can buy one in a 28 and have a gun that fits me. I knew the specs of it, uh, again, fit me perfectly. Sure. So I bought the gun and like a lot of things, um, especially in the firearms world as you know, things become more popular or a little more mass produce, um, kind of the quality sometimes goes down, not necessarily like the mechanics of the gun or anything sure. like that, but the, the finish wasn't, uh, wasn't some, anything to write home about. And I was yeah. like, I don't really like that. Like, so I literally put it back in the box and it sat there for like two years. Yeah. And, uh, anyways, I just got a, a, a wild hair and I can't hold still. The season had just ended. I'm like, what do I what do, do I now? Do my hands. Yeah. What do I do with my hands? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> you're sewing, you're doing your work. Yeah. yeah. The remodel I need house. another like, project. I, well, I need an escape. Right. And sure. so, I, uh, I was on YouTube. I usually watch YouTube when I'm at, at the gym, just like uh-huh. on the Stairmaster or whatever, just trying to distract myself because I hate cardio. Um, and I saw this video uh, from Larry Potterfield from Midway USA. And it was this like converting a Remington 1100 from a pistol grip to an English stock. Okay. Like, oh, that's interesting. So I click on the video and I'm yeah. watching it. And, and uh, I'm like, well, crap, if Larry Potterfield can do it. I can do it. You know, <laughs> Why not? well, he's got all the, the, I mean, really, really nice gunsmithing tools. Sure. And like, heck dude, I'll give it a go. So yeah. watch the video a couple of times. And then, 
Anyways, went through it in a vice, grabbed a big old bastard file and just started oh shaving. Oh my I figured, gosh. I figured after this first swipe, I couldn't go back. So oh yeah, you're, you're committed at that point. <laughs> committed. <laughs> I, uh, so I have, I've, I have the same gun. I have a Frankie instinct. Uh, I think I have the LX and yeah. 20, 20 gauge, my favorite gun. Generally 20 gauges are just my favorite. Yep. Um, but this fits me, same thing fits me really well for whatever reason. But, uh, so when I, when I saw that, I was like, Oh my gosh, what is happening? <laughs> um, Dude, so now pretty good too. So it looks awesome. Even the, the finish you put on that, um, it, it looks like just much more rich and it, it looks great. Well, it's, it's not, it's not a, a baby poop lacquer finish. Yeah. That <laughs> That's good, nice. good way to put it. Um, just one more follow-up question on that. Did you, yeah. have you ever shot uh, an English grip before or did you just yeah. want to try it out? Yeah, no, mo- okay. most of the guns that I own are English grips. Oh, okay. Um, I've, I've definitely, I don't know why, I don't know if it's my funky wrists or whatever, but they just seem to fit me very, very well. Um, and I also like that I could really change, um, at least the, the sight picture and the fit with that, with that English grip, you're, there's so much more for your hand to slide on. So mm. if I can play with the recoil pad, I can sure. really get guns to fit me super, super well, um, versus having a fixed Prince of wit or Prince of Wales or pistol grip, whatever. And it's like, sure. all of a sudden you're reaching too far and it's just not comfortable. That English grip, it's just got so much flexibility i guess yeah yeah um in that and so yeah most of the guns that i've hunted and shot with for the past three or four years have been uh english script guns. Okay. so i knew Very that i cool. liked it and so i took from that because i knew um i, I have a, a a red label in a 28 gauge okay and i really had to i had to put a pretty good size what was like a three quarter inch recoil pad on there because the throat where my hand naturally sat the throat of the grip was so thin Oh. And I've got, I don't have super big hands, but I was like, sure. oh, this gun feels like really, really small. I love it. And it, it shoots great. Yeah. Um, so in knowing that I took all the measurements off of my Browning grips. Oh, okay. And then I matched those specs into that Franke. Oh, wow. Because I knew that they fit me. Yeah. So you're like, Hey, I'm going to take what fits me, what I know I like, and just kind of customize exactly. one for myself. Exactly. Dude, that's awesome. Way to go. <laughs> so oh, cool. <laughs> um, so transitioning a little bit, um, you just had a pretty cool turkey hunt, didn't you, in California? Is that correct? Yep. Down in California awesome. with that same 28 gauge. Group. I was going to ask if you took yeah. that with you or not. I did. I, uh, I'm, I'm a huge believer, like... I'm a big 20 gauge guy as well. And I understand in in certain applications, certain shot sizes and whatnot make a lot of sense. Um, But man, really any gun with the right shell, if you, if you do your homework and you're shooting an adequate load, I mean, it's they're more than capable. I mean, I don't, I don't look at a 28 gauge as really being like, Oh, this, this gun makes it a challenge. It doesn't. Sure. Uh, It doesn't in any way, shape or form, but I mean, through all the COVID stuff, everything on the shelves was 28 gauge. So yeah, exactly. That's, you had a lot of shelves. That's all I see. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So yeah, Smart uh, thinking. took that gun out on its maiden voyage. Um, I, sh- I, I found, um, I think it's apex ammunitions, their ninja load. It's an ounce and three eighths of number eight. Okay. Um, is what the load is. And it's a, it's a tungsten load anyways. Um, found a box of them, grabbed them put the full choke in the top barrel, went out and patterned in at 40 yards. And I mean, it just threw an 
awesome wow. pattern. Like I mean, it just gave me all the confidence in the world. I'm like, yeah, yeah there's no reason that I can't kill a bird with this. Sure. And so uh, that's the biggest thing. If you're confident with whatever it is, that's a huge difference. Confidence. Kills. No matter what that's it is. My big thing. I always say that confidence kills. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyways, went out to California. I was, uh, just, uh, West of Sacramento. I've got a friend that lives over in Fairfield, uh, Brian Morris, really good dude. And, uh, anyways, went out there. Um, I'm also a really big traditional bow hunter. Um, okay, yeah. so I, I hunt with a recurve and have for quite a while. I actually just got a compound for the first time in like seven oh, wow. years. Oh, wow. We won't go off on that. But, <laughs> uh, so anyways, we would hunt with our bows in the morning. Sure. And then once things kind of slowed down, once hens were laying down, toms were getting up, it was just kind of run and gun. And, okay. um, California has great opportunity for really California for Turkey hunting. Oh, nice. Uh, as far as like the cost and everything, you definitely need to have access to some property, which can be tough in California. Fortunately, sure. my buddy is in with all the, yeah. the wineries and stuff. Like <laughs> oh, that. nice. So, I mean, nice. It, it, we got to hunt some great places. Yeah. Um, but yeah, got out there. And they have a two-day hunting license. So went out there for what I get there on Friday and then hunted Saturday and Sunday. And then we went striper fishing the next day. But anyways, I didn't kill until the second day. Okay. Um, had some close calls that first day with the bow and with uh, the shotgun, but just couldn't quite get it done. Yeah. Were, and, you, uh, were you sitting in a blind or just up against a tree kind of running and gunning? Uh, so in the mornings when we were, um, when we were hunting with, uh, excuse me, bows, we were hunting out of blinds. Yeah. We okay. set up blinds and set up decoys and everything nice. like that. And had a general idea. We were, well, we were going and roosting birds. Sure. And then hoping that on the fly down, you know, you'd get one that come over and for some reason they just didn't want anything to do with it. They were just really, really flocked up and sticking to a couple of those hens and they just didn't want to do it. So. Yeah. Dude. So we had to take it to them. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So are those uh, are those Rio Grands or are those Miriams or what what birds are those? So they're at, so they have both, but they're like it's hybrid? really weird because I've hunted out. Yeah, you know, they're like a it's it's like a bastard turkey. Like they oh, wow. they're like hybrids. Oh, interesting. Um, wow. So like the the first morning, and I've hunted turkeys there before, and I was hunting literally at my friend's house. Um, and he, he always saw were Rio's or what looked like Rio's. Sure. Right here. Uh, but that first morning we were just hunting, you know, there's, you know, 30 birds on the ground and there's 15 toms or whatever. And every single bird looked different. Hmm. I was, and I was in the blind with my buddy. I'm like, what the hell are wrong with these birds? He's like, oh, dude, they're like, they're like these hybrids or whatever. And anyways, I'm not like a turkey guru by any means. I love sure. hunting them. Sure. They're like miniature elk and they help pass the time. <laughs> yes, <bears>. definitely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, I, the, the bird that I killed, uh, definitely had some of that Rio flair, but it had those nice, the like white band. Wow. Uh, from the, that's from the mirrors, the that's super cool. Really pretty bird. Really. Yeah. Pretty. Well, congrats. That's awesome. Oh, thanks man. All right. Let's, uh, let's transition to upland birds, uh, yeah. a little bit different here. Um, so being in Utah, just, if anyone follows you on social media, it looks like chucker are your primary bird that you chase. Is that, is that true? What else do you chase there? Yeah, that's, that's my preferred species by okay. far. Um, Utah's got a uh, great, great grouse. Um, we have most of the grouse species. So um, we've got roughs. Um, we've got blue grouse or whatever. Dusky. What they, Dus what they, yeah. Uh, they, they change the name all the time. 
Yeah, 2020, right? Or 2021. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, someone. Yeah. Um, sage grouse, and then we also have sharptail. Now, uh, sharptail and sage, we actually have to draw permits here in Utah to be oh, really? to very limited time, and you're, okay. you can only shoot uh, two of each bird, basically. Okay. You're not guaranteed to draw. Um, but you since can... we live so close to uh, Idaho and Wyoming, I don't even – fiddle fart sure. with Utah. I just yeah. drive an extra 30 minutes North and do okay. that. But, um, so yeah, early, early season when we're getting the dogs in, in better shape, um, obviously try to take care of them during the off season, train condition, do all that fun stuff. Uh, but our, our grouse season starts in September. So in Utah, it's usually really warm. Hmm. Um, and you know, you'll get a couple hours in the morning or in the evenings or whatever you got going on. And then, most most of October, I hunt uh, sharptail grouse. I'll usually spend okay. the entire month hunting sharptail grouse. Okay, and that's just up in Idaho. Up in Idaho. Okay. Yep, yep. And and then from then on, things have finally kind of cooled off. We'll, we'll sometimes we'll go out for checkers in October, sure. um, just because you just can't not. It's just <laughs> too tempting. You, you want to get out there, yeah. <laughs> you want to get out there, but there's snakes and different things like that, and sure, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm just always a little bit worried about that. I know oh, definitely. Are, but, definitely. but I am. And so once things finally cool off, then it's just chuckers, 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 chuckers. <laughs> all, all day, every day, <laughs> as much as you can. <laughs> every second I can. As much as you can. Um, okay. Real quick on, on snakes. Um, do you like snake condition your dogs at all? Have you? Do I have, I haven't okay. before. Nope. Okay. I, I haven't before. I've, I've seen some of the, the little trainings and whatnot. It definitely makes a lot of sense to me. Sure. Um, I just, and, and maybe it's just because I do enjoy a lot of the variety and I'm also a, a really big, big game hunter. So sure. a lot of times I'm juggling deer and elk into mm -hmm. the middle of October, November as well, sure. uh, depending on the different States and stuff that I'm hunting. So for the most part, when I'm really leaning into heavy on the dogs in the places that have snakes, um, it's usually kind of cooled off by then. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so what got you into to hunting? Did, was that part of your family growing up? Was no dad or grandpa into <laughs> it? Like, how did you just give us a, a snapshot of how'd you get started down this huge rabbit hole? Oh man. I don't know what it was, man. Like just at a very young age, I just loved animals. Like hmm. just loved them. Like they're, they just always, I don't know why, like we would go, um, every vacation. We had this motor home and we'd go to all the national parks and stuff like that as a family. And I used to buy little disposable cameras and dude, I'd burn one of those things up on like the tame deer in like the campgrounds. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> <laughs> I just love, I don't know why, but I just loved it. And I loved just, I don't know. I, I would, I would draw, you know, in the snow, I would draw animals and I'd go jump in my grandpa's garden. I'd break off the raspberry sticks cause they were all straight and I'd make my own bows out of baling twine and willows. I grew up on a farm. Nice. Okay. And uh, anyways, that, that transitioned into obviously having a huge desire to want to hunt um, and didn't really get the opportunity to until my parents got divorced when I was 12. And so my dad, who hadn't hunted in forever, started hunting again to be able to spend time with my brother and I. Okay. And um, I obviously loved it way more than my brother did. <laughs> and it, it just, it was just a, I don't know. It was just in me. It like, it, it was just like, that was something that I always like yearned for. And like, it just brought me so much fulfillment 
and I think just being outside, I just like being outside. I like, I like the solitude. I like the quiet. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I, I think I've shared this story before probably, but growing up on a farm, it was like Saturdays or the weekends weren't for playing. They were for doing chores. But if I got my stuff done, my mom, again, this is, I live in such a, a wonderful place. Sure. My mom would drive me to the top of these canyons <laughs> and drop me off. And, and it was, it was the head of this Canyon that went down into all these different draws. And then they would come out in the very bottom. And then my mom would just say, Hey, which Canyon are you coming out? And we used to go ride horses and stuff. Yeah, in there. That's awesome. around. But dude, I'm, I'm, I'm 13. Oh my gosh. 14 years old. Sure. Got my dog, Tina, <laughs> a little 20 gauge, my Sears and Roebuck 20 band, oh, man. The adjustable choke tube thingy on the top. <laughs> nice. still have that gun. Oh, of course you have to. And, uh, yeah, she just dropped me off and then she'd drive all the way down to the bottom and she'd sit down there and she'd read a book and wait for me to come wow. up at the bottom with my dog, dude. And I would just wow. walk and walk and walk. And, and, and you had the intention of finding Chucker at that point, right? Were well, you, that was, that was, you just, I, okay. Chucker came a little bit later in my life. Um, so I was big, big grouse, big deer, big elk hunter. Sure. Um, I really didn't get into Chucker until, um, probably like nine years ago, nine, 10 years ago. Okay. Um, and it was again, me just wanting to hunt every aching second of time that I sure. have. Um, and Utah has very generous and long seasons. So, I mean, we can hunt big game through from August through December basically. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Um, anyway, so I, I had a friend, um, that I'd hunted that I used to deer hunt with and he was like, dude, you're real, you're into birds, you're into waterfowl. Do you ever hunt chucker? And I'm like, what, what is a chucker? Like, I've never even heard of that. And I'm like 20 years old, you know? Sure, and sure. he's like, oh no, dude, these are these little, little, little devil bird things. Yeah, you're like, like what? Driving them. I'm like, hmm, I guess, I guess we'll give those a go. You <laughs> Might know? as well. I remember the first time I went out, you know, I, I, I had, I had labs all growing up. And so I had a lab with me and he, he sends me to this area. He's like, yeah, go in here. You'll find birds. And I'm like, I drive up, I get out there. And this is really the first time I'd spent any time in like chucker country. And I get out there and there's nothing but these super steep cliffs with nothing on them and cheatgrass. I'm like, there's birds here. Like I'm in the middle of nowhere. And just as luck would have it, you know, I walk up the first ridge I walk up, we're walking it in this kind of shoe and there's these like little rock faces. And I just see these little birds just running on the rocks, like little velociraptors. I'm like, Oh, Oh my gosh, those are, those are chuckers. That, that's them. And chase them to the top and, you know, they, they jump and they come flying right by me, dude. And I took it to the plug and I didn't touch <laughs> a feather. And I was like, whoa. Okay. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Game on. Oh. And it was just ass over tea kettle at that point. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um, let's, let's transition to your dogs a little bit. I was going to ask you if, if the dogs you have were your first bird dogs, but it sounds like you had some labs prior to this yep. growing up and family all, dog. Hunting. Yep. All growing up. I had yeah. had labs hunted over them. Um, got into pointing dogs again later in my life. And it was uh, basically after being introduced to Chuckers. Okay. Um, my oldest dog, he'll be 10 this year. Um, and then I've got, that's reload. He's my, he's my white white dog and then uh oh my gosh chief <laughs> my two-year-old he's okay a, oh so he's, he's young liver so yeah he's uh, 
He's young and wild. Young and wild, <laughs> dude. Those... You probably heard him barking as you're sitting. I, I only heard only heard one bark, so that's not bad. <laughs> that's well, not bad. six o'clock. He's he was supposed to have eaten. <laughs> oh sure. He's like, oh come on now. He's got a built-in they... internal alarm clock. Dude. Oh, I, they do. Clock. They totally do. Um, and they are both GSPs, right? Yep. Short okay. Hair. Okay. And yep. was that were you just kind of when you started researching a little bit? Was that just you knew what you wanted right away, or did you yeah. go through any? Well, so my process? oldest dog was given to me. My oldest dog was actually given to me, and but I've I've always liked short hairs. I like the look. I like the athleticism. Um, I like bigger running dogs, um, or I, I guess I've grown to appreciate sure. bigger bigger running dogs. At the time, I was like, oh my gosh, my dog's 150 yards away. I can't see him. What yeah. do I do? Like <laughs> I didn't have you know I didn't have a GPS collar or anything sure. like that. It's like ah, reload went that way. I'll just follow. I'm still up there. And hopefully I find him. Hopefully I find him. You know, and so yeah, I've just uh, I I love their demeanor. Um, and I mean every dog's a good dog if you spend time with it and get it trained up or whatever. But definitely have just been drawn to the short hairs. I kind of like that wild, They're great looking dogs. They're great looking fire. dogs fire they got. So I oh, 100%. It. Do you, uh, do you do all the training yourself? Have you used a trainer before or what's kind of your training I have used process? I'm, I'm definitely a novice handler and I have a lot of hobbies and I like doing <laughs> a lot of them. Sure. And, uh, where I've only had the two pointing dogs, um, reload when I, when I got reload, he was a started dog. Oh, nice. Um, then when he was given to me and he's been fantastic. And then chief, when I got chief, um, I actually had him go, um, I don't know if it was necessarily training, um, but he just got bird introduction. Okay. I mean, the, the guy is able to give him, you know, 20, 30 birds a day. Yeah, I can't versus versus you're like dog. two a week. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I can't give that to a young dog. And so I, I know how important those bird contacts are and birds make the bird dog. Right. So yeah. Um, did that for, I think he was there for just a couple of weeks and uh, yeah. And that was really it. Just, a, just bought good lines, good genetics, did my yep. research and, very, very talented dog. I mean, he, he makes me look good when I haven't done anything. <laughs> that's a, that's a great <laughs> sign of a dog. That's a good sign. When the dog makes us look way better than we are, that's, you know, you hit the jackpot there. That's what I'm hoping for. Every yeah. Time. That's awesome. Yeah, my, uh, my youngest, uh, my youngest Brittany, he's going to a trainer in two, two weeks. Awesome. Um, same, same thing. I mean, I, I got five kids, hobbies, all that kind of stuff. Totally. And I'm like, you know, I can get them out on a couple of birds here and there, but the, the value of, of bird contacts and just, that's really it. Like if he gets birds every day, that's, that's a win right there. So. Well, and I, I look at it too, you know, I, I think a lot of times guys are like ashamed to say that it's like, Oh, I sent my dog to a trainer. Well, it's like, well, here's, here's the deal. Like sure. if that dog has potential, shame on me for not bringing it out in that dog. Absolutely. Right? And, and it's like, I'm going to hunt when I'm going to hunt. And I can't expect that dog to be to caught control, up. Yeah. To be caught up if I, ha if he hasn't gotten the time and attention, not that I don't want to give that to him. Totally. But at the end of the day, if someone's better at doing that, it's like, do you take your, I mean, a lot of guys take their cars to a mechanic. Yep. <laughs> Everybody's capable of working on their car. They're nuts and bolts and wires. Everybody can do it for the most part, but we take our cars to a mechanic. Right. And so I, I look at it as the same thing. I think, you know what, this guy can get the dog what he needs, even if it's for a limited period of time. Sure. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, golly, I, I think, I think more people should get started, started dogs. If I'm honest. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's a, that's great. You bypass that crazy puppy phase and 
Oh, <laughs> saves you so much, so much headaches. Bubbies are great. They're great sometimes, but um, last question before we move on to a little bit more final rise in the vest. Um, do you, do you have any like upland bird goals for this season coming up? Do you have any like new species you want to hunt? Do you have any goals for your dogs or anything like that? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go do Himalayan snowcock this, oh, nice. this September. That's something that I've wanted to do. And, um, it's, it's in the middle of September and I usually, I'm usually able to score some pretty good elk tags here and there. And so I've put it off for the past couple of years, but I'm sure. like, you know what? I'm going to do it this year. Commit. And, there you go. Uh, so, yep. I'm going to go do that. And shoot, man. Other than that, like I said, I get, I get a hunt so much. I'm so lucky. I get a yeah. two or three days a week. So other sure. than that, that's awesome. Getting the birds and yeah. That's great, dude. All right. So tell me, uh, tell anyone who's listening right now, uh, tell us a little bit about this, this final rise vest that you made about a year, year and a half ago now. Yeah. Less yeah, than so, that. yeah. So started selling them about a year and a half. Ago okay. Now, but, uh, um, anyways, I guess for anybody listening, you've, you've probably kind of gathered. I, I spend a lot of time outside and I do a lot of different types of hunting, sure. um, being able to work in the hunting and outdoor space, um, I've been fortunate to be able to get my hands on some really good big game hunting gear. Now we're talking boots, packs, the camel, all, all those different things. Right. And so I've definitely, uh, you know, I've got a huge appreciation for really high end quality gear because I understand the value of it. And I think I'm at that point in, we'll say what my customer journey or my buyer journey or my appreciation journey as a hunter, sure. that it's easy for me to say, I understand why this holds this value because I've come up kind of through the ranks of like, Hey, I'm starting hunting. This is, this is what I can afford, or this is what I'm able to obtain. But as you get more and more passionate about it, you start recognizing value in certain different things. Absolutely. Right? That's well said. Um, you know, it's like the, the first big piece for me, it's like, I bought a pair of boots, right? A really nice high end pair of boots. I bought some, uh, Cabela's Mendel Denali's okay. they were like 400 bucks at the time, but every sure. year I was spending a hundred bucks on Solomon's or whatever, which are great boots. Sure. But as much as I was out, I was running through them. So I'm like, well, every year I got to spend a hundred to 200 or 120 bucks. Yeah. Why don't I just invest in a good pair of boots that I don't have to break in every year. And then those boots lasted me six years. And so it's like, well, I just saved myself 200 bucks, right? Totally. Because it's like, I finally understood the value of a high-end boot. Right. Um, and so it's kind of the same for, for upland gear. And that's kind of where a lot where final rise stemmed from. There's, there's so many great pack companies out there even in the upland space as well. There's some really great companies out there. And, uh, you know, and, and a lot of it's very, not necessarily recent. There was definitely a couple big, big players in that space and they were kind of the tried and trues and they kind of just sat there as a pair on the top. Right. And, and no one was really coming into the space. Um, and where I work so heavy in, on the big game side of things, I'm watching all this innovation happen. I'm watching new materials and fabrics and components, you know, design features, all these different things are happening in hunting packs and camo and this stuff. And I'm like, and then I look at the upland space that I love so much and I'm like, nothing's changing. Like, this is the same, the and same that doesn't mean stuff. that it necessarily has to, right? Sure, but, sure. But it's like, but if there's an opportunity to improve, why not? Why not Why not try to make it better? Why, why, why not raise that bar or try to raise that bar? Right. And so, um, well, and the other thing was availability, right? There's, there's some great companies out there, but it, it, 
how good is it if you can't get your hands on it or whatever? So I knew, I knew there was a demand there. I'm like, you know what? Like if anything, hopefully I provide a solution. Hopefully I provide an option to make a a, a good pack. It doesn't need to be my pack, but as long as maybe I'll push that person to kind of wake up and start doing a little bit more. And at the end of the day, that helps the entire Upland community. Right. I have a full-time job. I'm fortunate to have a great job. Um, when I started doing this, it was like, oh, it'd be sweet if I could pay for a couple out of state hunt, out of state hunts every year. Sure. And it's definitely grown to be a little bit more. But at the end of the goal and the real purpose behind Final Rise is to raise that bar. I feel like that, you know, rising tides lift all ships, right? Hmm. So there's there's a lot of other boats or companies in this upland port that we're that we're using this analogy as sure. right? hey, if we kind of push on each other, competition's a good thing. That's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. drive innovation, right? That's what helps everything improve. Sure. And so whether I'm poking the bear or whatever, um, kind of what I'm trying to do, I'm trying, I, I feel like there's so many people that are so passionate about bird hunting that they want the quality gear. They understand the value of it, but it's not obtainable or it's not there hmm. uh, or it's not being made or whatever that is. And so, um, yeah. So when we set out to design the vest, obviously there's some great strap vests out there. Sure. Um, a strap vest is a strap vest, right? Just like a car has four wheels, it, it's going to be waist belt and shoulder harness. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple things and coming from that backpacking space, I'm like, I really know how a backpack is supposed to fit and carry mm-hmm. and balance where you're supposed to load things in that pack so that it does balance properly so that it is comfortable And so I look at all this stuff on these high-end big game packs. And then I look at what was available in the upland space. I'm like, I'm going to build a bridge. I'm going to take all this stuff that I understand the value. What you know from over here. What I know from over here and understand how it works. And I'm going to bring it over here and put it in a a strap vest. Yeah. Uh, And so that's, that's, that was one of the really the big differentiators. I would guess that if you were comparing, um, our vest against some of the other great products that are out there. Sure. You know, the, the foundation of a strap vest and is the waist belt, mm-hmm. right? That's the entire purpose of a strap vest is to be able to alleviate the pressure or the tension that's on your shoulder straps. Well, you sure. cannot do that if you don't have a weight bearing waist belt. Now that phrase gets used all the time. Will you see it thrown around? It's like, Oh, this is a weight bearing waist belt. Well, is it really, does it yeah. have, does it actually have the capacity to tighten down? Does it have the right shape? Hmm. Does it have the right materials? There's all these different things that factor up and it's kind of just become this buzzword. Oh, sure. weight-bearing waist belt. It's like, Everything has a, has a weight, uh, weight-bearing belt. Right. Yeah. But, but does it really? Right, right. Um, and so again, using some of those, the, the design features and things that I really liked and, and putting my own spin on because I could, because we're sewing them ourselves. <laughs> right, right. You're like, I can create my ideal vest. <laughs> I was I just making my way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we brought that over. So our, definitely our waist belt, the lumbar pad and that design foundation, um, it, it's the foundation of our, yeah. Oh, our yeah. And, and I feel like it's really what separates our pack from anything else out there. hundred percent. I have so you answered like 40 questions in that little segment there. So that was amazing. <laughs> but I have a couple more that popped in my head. Um, okay. One, just a comment. I was going to say my two favorite features. So I had the vest. I was maybe, I don't know, a couple months after you, you got it, I was on the list. I got my vest. Yep. Two favorite features are, are that lumbar pad in the back. Super comfortable. Um, I had some back issues late this fall. 
And this thing was super comfortable. And the other thing is the shell pockets. I know people can't see this, but my mitts are huge. And <laughs> one of my biggest things was sometimes I have gloves on. Sometimes I don't when I'm hunting. Totally. And I just couldn't get my, my hand in certain vest pockets and I'll yep. carry my phone in one shells in the other, you know, whatever. So I'm in the pockets a decent amount of time. So anyways, more just a comment. Those are my personal two favorite, uh, <laughs> favorite features. <laughs> um, so you talk about competition is, is good for a, is. a product like this. I totally agree. Did you just more of a curiosity thing? Did you know uh-huh. other companies were coming out around that same time? Or did you just kind of think you were the only one at the time? No, I totally thought I was the only one, you know, it's funny. I told, well, so I had sewn a couple of these packs for some buddies and I, we, we, we'd been playing around with them and it was just like, Hey, I know how to sew. I've got the materials. I'll just make them and we'll just see what happens. We did that and everything was fine. And, uh, anyways, I got a picture from a friend and it was from social media and they're like, Hey, you, I I talked to him on the phone. He's like, Hey, is this your vest? I'm like, no, what is that? And I get looking at him like, well, no shit. <laughs> so I get looking into my like, oh, there's like yeah. three other people that are. <laughs> so there goes my Netflix million dollar sure. idea. Yeah, yeah. No, but it, but, it, but it was no, but it was it was a good thing, and, and it, it honestly definitely um, pushed me to do it. If I'm being honest, dude, because I was mm-hmm. I was kind of on the edge. I'm like, you know what? Like, I don't need to do it. Sure. It, it wasn't a necessity. Um, but I think, you know, just as a human being and just as a, as a guy, we kind of have that desire to have something of our own someday. Right. Yeah. I think it kind of burns inside all of us. And anyway, so it kind of pushed me. I was like, you know what, I'm going to go talk to um, one of the owners of the company of mountain ops. And I said, Hey, you know, this is something that I can do in the evenings. I know how to sew. I want to, I want to try this or whatever, you know, because it was, it was awesome watching you and your wife. sew those vests and that, that first getting ready for that first fall. Oh dude, that was, I would like tune in every night to see if there's like any updates or how late you were staying up. sewing these things (laughs) highly entertaining though. Uh, I'm glad someone was entertained. <laughs> I would show my wife, I'm like, babe, look at these people. He's sewing vests at midnight. I was like, she's like, why? I'm like, cause it's August and September's coming up. <laughs> oh, it so was a good. grind, man. And, it, and it's, and it's been a grind. It, it's, it's been a huge blessing, man. It's been like so humbling. Uh, how many people have yourself included, right? I mean, you were one of the first guys to kind of jump on and, and, and support us. And I, I did not anticipate that. Like I said, I was like, man, it's, if I could just make a, a great couple product. of these and, yeah. and, and buy some, buy, hunt out of state yeah. a little bit more, I'd be stoked. Totally. And, well, honestly, it's, it's not only a great product, but I mean, you've been great to work with. I had a ton of questions. I mean, I'm a six foot five, two, 220 guy. And I was, I was worried about like sizing and all that. And you were messaging me all the time. Like, Hey, go with this. I think you'll be fine here. Um, just that, I mean, I mean, it's a small, small company. Like you were very relational and just working through that with everyone, I'm sure. Um, so that, that means a lot. And so that's a product that I can easily, easily get behind. So. Oh, thank you, man. I that's think awesome. that, that's, I, I don't know. I always, I always try to customer service. Like I always think about that. Like I, I, I feel like in today's world, like that really has to be, you have to have a good product, but that's like the backbone of business right now. I feel because so much of that gets outsourced and it's like, sure. there's no one that cares about these vests more than I do. And so it's like, there's no one else I'd rather be answering a customer's question than me. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I'm I get gonna, so excited about it. I'm going to give them the right answer. Of course. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and ultimately that's, that's kind of been uh, a, a huge, uh, I think a huge part of the success, honestly. That, is that's awesome. Hopefully provide a quality experience for yeah. everybody. Who's well, you're definitely doing that. Um, last thing on the final rise vests. Um, and then I have just a series of rapid fire questions and then we're going to okay. wrap up. Um, talk about the new Turkey seat you just came out with. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So initially when I designed the final rise vest, and, and maybe this is a little context outside of the Turkey seat, but I'll sure. go back to the Turkey seat. I'll wrap that into it. Um, what my goal when I created the vest was to create a foundation, a, a foundational system that any hunter could take and spin that into making theirs. Right. That that's really, I feel like so key because anybody that's listening to this podcast, you have your way of doing things, right? You like your handheld in a certain place. You like your shell pockets here. You like this, like we, that's just how we are. We don't want to be pushed into this little box. And so I wanted to create a foundation that had those modular options built into it or the capa uh, capability of being, um, having other things added to it. And so having the foresight initially from the, from the initial design concept was what other things can this vest do? What do I want to design this vest to be able to do so that it can be more applicable and more things? And the turkey seat's obviously one of those. But my big thing is, I, as I look at that and, and again, back to that foundation, like I understand that a vest is an investment. Like if you're, if you're spending $300 on a vest, I understand that it's, that's an investment. And so my goal is to make something that you can use for more than just a couple awesome. months out of the year. And I know there's a lot of crossover, a lot of bird hunters, turkey hunt, a lot of us fly fish, a lot of us big game hunt. So I'm like, I want to make a pack that can do all of that. Obviously it, it, it will excel in the upland sure. space in any upland application from the West to the East, wherever you want to take it. But having something that can just be an absolute workhorse piece of gear so that it's more comfortable to that end consumer to say like, yeah, I'm going to invest in this yeah, because I do X, Y, Z and yeah, that pack can do every can single one. Do a little bit of everything. Exactly. Exactly. So that, yeah. So we came out with the Turkey seat. And again, our goal with any, any piece of gear that we come out with is it's, it's, it's all about function. I say all function, no fluff. I say mm -hmm. that all the time, It's awesome. but it's like, I want the product to be more than just a pad that you can sit on. Right. And so we found a way to be able to attach the, the seat to the pack and then it actually can flip back up and become basically a cradle or a, a harness, if you will, to be able uh -huh. to carry additional gear. Yeah. Uh, that's a decoy, uh, uh, blind chair, a ground blind sure. and still have room in your game bag because once you put a turkey in there, it's full. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a, <laughs> but, a big bird. But you you have enough gear on you usually. It's like when I'm running and gunning, I've always got at least one decoy with me. Sure. And uh so again, just being able to create something that has more than one function that brings out more value in that product. That's really our goal with everything that we design and create. Well, that's great, man. That's great. I saw, yeah, saw those turkey pictures with your, uh, with your Tom this this <laughs> this spring, and it looked it looked great in that bag. It, it looked great. It well. <laughs> I like those new color combos too. Those are pretty sweet. Thank you. Okay, couple uh, couple rapid fire questions. I'm gonna kind of uh, if this or that. Um, okay. So if not a GSP, what's your second favorite breed of choice? Oh, English pointer. Okay, I was not expecting that. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, you kind of already answered this maybe a little bit, but what gun are you carrying out into the trucker Hills? 
whatever one comes out of my hand when I reach into the safe. I, I, if there's one thing I collect, it's shotguns. And I've okay. got a lot of them. That's awesome. A lot of them, but okay. I, 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 I enjoy, I've got a, uh, a browning, uh, feather like, God, what is it? The super feather, what they combine. Anyways, <laughs> it's a 16 gauge okay. English stock. It's like right at six pounds. Oh, wow. It, that's my baby. That's, okay. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the one. Right that, that's that the, is, that okay. Is the one. So you, you, if, you, if, you, I, if I peek in the case, my hand will usually. Okay. <laughs> Go to that one. I <laughs> <laughs> right, see. I knew we'd get there eventually. We had to kind of, kind of push it a little bit. Uh, just a couple more uh, solo hunt with just you and your dog or a hunt with a couple buddies. <sighs> that is tough, dude. <laughs> I, I feel like both are very, very important. Um, but I would definitely rather share a day in the Hills with my buddies. I, nice. I've got some damn good friends. So I'm, awesome. I'm very grateful for them and enjoy being around them. That's awesome. Um, okay. Two more, uh, favorite upland bird to hunt. I think we all know. Chucker. Chucker. Okay. <laughs> That's a softball. Here's a, here's a tough one. I just came up with this as we were talking. Okay. Uh, Chucker or elk. Uh. <laughs> chucker chucker you oh chucker. wow okay all right yeah yeah I, I, i've been asked before if you had to give up fly fishing big game hunting or if you, if you had all three and you could only do one what yeah. would it be and it would be upland hunting i'd give okay. up the other two to hunt birds for wow. sure that's awesome for sure that's awesome well dude how can uh how can people get a hold of you if they have questions about final rise or anything like that Yes. Um, you can visit us online at finalrise.com. Um, same on social media. Um, my cell phone is listed on either of those. So when you call in, uh, people call and they're expecting to get some like, that's operator. awesome. I'm just like, hello. And they're like, is this final rise? I'm like, yeah, this is Matt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that's call cool. me, text me. A lot of people text me. Um, I'll, always happy to help any way that I can. So yeah, finalrise.com. Check us out. That's incredible. Way to go, man. Well, you've built uh, a hell of a vest and a hell of a company. So thank you for doing that just for the whole Upland community. Uh, I know I appreciate it for sure. And, and also thanks for jumping on here and talking dogs and hunting and a little bit of everything tonight. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Matt. Yep. Be good. All right. Take care. Well, that is a wrap for episode five of the Upland Rookie Podcast. Thank you so much again for choosing to join me on this episode. I really enjoyed that conversation with Matt and I hope you did as well. Don't forget to share this episode with a friend. Share it with your mom, your dad, your cousin, your neighbor, coworker, brother, sister, aunts, uncles, whoever it might be, I don't care you think they would enjoy this content, share the episode link with them, share um, the social media link, whatever it might be, help this reach more people. Also, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I always am loving uh, to talk hunting or bird dogs, um, no matter the breed, no matter your situation, I um, would love to, to talk with you. Reach out to me on Instagram at the Upland Rookie Podcast or at Upland underscore Brits. Remember, if you're not lucky enough to hunt with or own a Brittany, any bird dog is better than no bird dog. Go put some miles on those boots. See you next week.